It was the week of the big election. And I'm going to Washington to fight for working families, defeat socialism, and lead the fight to save America. God has a plan. It doesn't always work on our timeline. Coming up, what message did you send to the ballot box? And perhaps more importantly, what happens now? Those stories and the rest of the week's big local headlines straight ahead. Week in Review is made possible through the generous support of AARP Kansas City, RSM, Dave and Jamie Cummings, Bob and Marlise Gorley, the Courtney S. Turner Charitable Trust, John H. Mize and Bank of America N.A. co-trustees, and by viewers like you. Thank you. Welcome, I'm Nick Haynes. Are you angry and upset or joyful and giddy about the results of this week's election? We try to get inside your mind this half hour to better understand the choices you made at the ballot box, and we track what happens now with four journalists charged with trying to make sense of it all. Michael Mahoney is chief political analyst at KNBC 9 News. Steve Kraske is Mr. Up-to-Date on KCUR-FM. Uh, also with us is my reporting colleague, Mary Sanchez, from the Kansas City PBS digital newsroom Flatland KC, and from the pages of the Kansas City Star, Dave Helling. It was described as the country's first post-Roe abortion test on Tuesday, our area, in the national spotlight as Kansas voters overwhelmingly reject an amendment that would have allowed lawmakers to impose new restrictions on the procedure. I've never seen this in Kansas before. Like, I have, this is the best thing to ever happen to our state, ever. The whole nation was watching us, and we did the right thing for women. Just two people who were part of the 59% of Kansans who ultimately voted no on the value them both amendment. Did you predict such a lopsided result? We know polling can often miss the mark. But how could polls showing a neck-and-neck -neck contest get it so badly wrong, Steve Kraske? You know, polls oftentimes are wrong, Nick. We all know that. And I think when it comes to something as personal as abortion, of any issue you poll people about, this might be an issue that people might not be as candid uh, and as forthcoming as they would be lots of other issues. Leaders of the Valley Them Both campaign now say they will be back, Mary Sanchez. What does that actually mean? Well, they, they will be back. I mean, th and that's going to be the challenge for those that are, you know, so elated right now in the vote turnout. This is just a very first early skirmish, if you may. I mean, this is a long-haul issue. They can go back, try it again with different language. People of faith are used to playing the long game. That is what faith is. You know, they, they don't view this necessarily as a loss. It's just a hurdle. And they're going to be back. Well, could, could that mean another constitutional amendment coming back on the ballot with, as Mary suggests, Dave Helling, different language? Because this was an open-ended ask in some respects, if, because we didn't know what was going to happen uh, if this actually was passed. First of all, uh, complaints about the ballot language are not allowed because the pro-life people wrote it and they picked the date. So uh, they can't complain now that people were confused. But what I do think you will see happen, Nick, is the legislature will try other restrictions on abortion because remember the Kansas Supreme Court said that restrictions are allowed as long as they meet what they call strict scrutiny which is proof that you really need to do it and that you're using the least restrictive way of accomplishing that goal so restrictions are still possible in Kansas and my guess is the legislature will pass them particularly if Derek Schmidt is elected uh, governor 
He'll sign them, and then we'll go to the courts again to see what the parameters of their decision turns out. Couldn't we change the judges on the Kansas Supreme Court? There have been efforts in the past, even in this last legislative session, to change the way we even um, appoint Supreme Court justices in the state of Kansas. And Nick, there's talk that the anti-abortion side is going to go after three of those judges up for retention who voted to make abortion a abortion rights a constitutional uh, amendment uh, in the state constitution. Nick, I wouldn't want this conversation to go any further without just acknowledging maybe the obvious fact here. What a miracle this was that played out uh, on Tuesday in Kansas. I mean, to have this vote nearly, you know, trending towards a million people showing up on a 100-degree day or voting during hot weeks leading up to the election uh, in August on a confusing ballot in, uh, initiative, strange wording, to have this thing uh, turn out the way it did, despite the millions the Catholic Church uh, spent, is something that is just really uh, astonishing in my time covering Kansas politics. You read national publications today like the New York Times, everywhere you go, Kansas, 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 everyone responding and reacting to what was just this astonishing outcome in our Because state they view week. it as a certain trend, but what, you know, some viewing it as a political earthquake, Michael Mahoney, others saying this was just a one-off that won't have ripple effects in the future elections, including this fall. I believe it will have uh, uh, sure ripple will. effects. And to reinforce what uh, we were just talking about, five of the six judges that voted in support of this Supreme Court ruling in 2019 are up for retention in November. They had an instance a few years ago up in the state of Iowa where they uh, rejected, uh, I believe it was three members of their Supreme Court because, because they voted for gay, gay rights up there, and it was a fierce campaign. Does this give a new burst of life to uh, Laura Kelly now that she's running for re-election in Kansas? How about Sharice Davids? I mean, some people have said she was toast. Does this vote change that? You know, take a look at the Johnson County results on this question, and Sharice Davids has to be a little happier than Amanda Adkins in that race because the vote in Johnson County was plus 36 points uh, for the no position on abortion. So I think she's happier. Now, there was a theory last week that actually Laura Kelly wanted yes to prevail because then voters would see her as the last bastion before abortion became banned in Kansas. I never bought that, and uh, I don't think uh, it's true now. I do think that's kind of a toss-up race. In many ways, we'll see what happens. One other note, Mike talked a little bit about the judge's question. There was an attempt in Kansas to get rid of Supreme Court justices because of school funding decisions. Oh, You'll yeah, remember that right, a couple right, years yeah. ago. And Kansas voters <laughs> said no. Again, in a conservative, low-tax state, they retained those judges. It is a very hard, and particularly now since everybody's watching, Nick, uh, it's going to be a hard, hard uh, uh, task to oust those judges, I think. One other thing, very quickly on this. The, uh, the value of them both amendment was an up or down on one issue, abor abortions, clear cut. Uh, November and the midterms are not going to be like that. The dominant issue is still going to be the economy, and the Democrats are facing stiff headwinds here and across the nation on that. I see Republican That's... strategists even saying, don't mention abortion. Let's talk about inflation. Let's talk about gas prices. Let's talk about Absolutely. immigration and public education this fall. Yes, it's like move away from this issue because that is the question is right now, mm -hmm. Kansas was just in the spotlight. Roe v. Wade had just been overturned. That energy, that momentum was massive. It will not exist again in that same space. 
So moving voters from this one issue and their enthusiasm to the others is going to be the challenge. Is this the face of Missouri's next U.S. Senator, State Attorney General Eric Schmidt, coming out on top in the biggest race on the ballot in Missouri? And I'm going to Washington to fight for working families, defeat socialism, and lead the fight to save America. I just got off the phone with Eric Schmidt and congratulated him on his victory. God has a plan. It doesn't always work on our timeline. And sometimes, sometimes we have to practice patience. Is Eric Reitens blaming Donald Trump for his loss, Steve? If only Trump had endorsed him outright instead of more creatively and generically endorsing Eric, first name only, would it have been enough to propel him over the finish line? Well, if Donald Trump had endorsed Eric Reitens, things might have been different uh, on Tuesday night, Nick. But having said that, Eric Reitens uh, is, is, was hurting heading into the election, and certainly his political future has been gravely damaged here. Mary, is that the end of Eric Reitens in political life in Missouri, or was this just this first comeback. He's got another one coming up. I think he'll try again. I mean, the thing about Eric Greitens is Eric Greitens doesn't believe that he ever did anything wrong, not in his marriage, not in the ethical lapses. He just, you know, he sees this probably as just one race that he lost, that he didn't do that well in. He will be back. Eric uh, Schmidt, by the way, now one step away from succeeding Roy, Roy Blunt in the United States Senate. Last week, Dave Helling, you suggested if Eric Schmidt wins, the Democratic nominee is toast. Do you still feel that way now that it's going to be a November matchup between beer company heiress Trudy Bush Valentine and Eric Schmidt? Yeah, I think it's going to be very, very difficult for her campaign. First of all, she's not a, a natural politician exactly. in any way. She didn't expose herself to media at all. Uh, Schmidt will, uh, if they get on a debate stage together, will do very well against Trudy Bush Valentine. So for all, and I think national Democrats will look to spend their money in other places because they think that Schmidt is the favorite. One other thing I want to say quickly about the primary is, and we talked about this a little bit last week, the Trump endorsement didn't mean anything, but the anti-endorsement of Vicki Hartzler yeah. meant everything. It really killed her momentum. Yeah. She went from yeah. 35, 40 to 20. That vote did not go to Eric Greitens, it went to Eric Schmidt, and that's what uh, the main motivator was in this race. There, there was another uh, spanner in the works this week. The, uh, independent candidate John Wood officially submitted the signatures required to add his name to this Missouri Senate ballot. Does the former chief counsel to the January 6th committee take votes from Schmidt or take votes from Valentine, Steve Krasny? Well, if he takes votes from anybody, it's going to be from Eric Schmidt, uh, Nick. He, uh, John Wood is a Republican, has been a lifelong Republican, and that's where his, uh, he'll, he'll get his support. That said, John Wood has a lot of convincing to do to voters. He has a, a big sales pitch to make here. How is he different than Eric Schmidt? What does he bring to the table that Eric Schmidt doesn't? We haven't seen any of that yet. If, if John Wood's going to have any impact, he's got to get started quickly, uh, connecting with Missourians in a way that he hasn't so far. Um, the other thing, if there is a shot for Trudy Bush Valentine, this is it. And it goes back to what we've been talking about most of this program, and that is the dynamics of what happened in Kansas after Roe versus Wade. If the Trudy Bush Valentine campaign is smart, and they would listen to me. And Does anyone run, listen to you, Mike? No one listens to me, <laughs> right especially now. at my house. 
Uh, she runs a, a, a pro-choice campaign. It is one, one of the few issues where she was actually definitive about a stance during, during the primary. She runs pro-choice morning, noon, and night, and she's got Eric Schmidt, who six minutes after the Dobbs decision came out, striking down Roe versus Wade, signed the order, put in the heart. Is that really yeah. enough, though, in a Republican state like Missouri? Maybe not. I, I don't think so. so. It's, it's going to be, again, uh, Trudy Bush Valentine just hasn't demonstrated that she can stand toe-to-toe on a stage with anybody. She certainly avoids did any toe-to-toe stands uh, against uh, Lucas Coons oh. during, during the primary, and uh, he has a ways to go. Is being a local TV host a stepping stone to Congress? Mark Alford mm -hmm. took his name ID as morning anchor at Fox 4 News all the way to winning the Republican primary for Missouri's 4th Congressional District. That's the seat currently held by Vicki Hartzler. He does face a Democrat this fall, but is he now positioned to be the newest member of Missouri's congressional delegation? Yes, yeah, no, I think he's uh, the overwhelming favorite in the 4th District, which is very conservative. You know, Mike Thompson, the former weatherman at Channel... Uh, Four is in the state legislature now. Yes. Uh, Mark Alford is uh, uh, heading to Washington. Uh, you know, Mahoney for mayor is, uh, <laughs> you know, the next thing that we have to work on a little bit. Helling for governor? And, Come on. And, and, well, short. governor, I don't know. I, I've, yeah. got, I've got bigger uh, targets in mind. But uh, <laughs> he obviously rode uh, name recognition to this nomination, Mark Alford, uh, Nick, because Rick Bratton, his primary opponent, was well known in the district and had served as a state senator and the state representative. So uh, it was it was name ID that got him over the top. I want to move back to Kansas right now. While the abortion amendment dominated election coverage there, voters were also making some other big election day choices, including who should succeed Ed Eilert as leader of Johnson County. We now know it's going to be either Mike Kelly or Charlotte O'Hara. O'Hara already serves on the Johnson County Board of Commissioners. Kelly is the mayor of Roland Park. What were voters telling us, Steve Kraske, on Tuesday about this race? Well, interesting result. Mike Kelly, very impressive finish in this thing, finishing first by a long shot. Like Mark Alford, uh, he used to share this table with us winning the 4th District. That was a crowded right. primary. He pulled away easily and won. But clearly, uh, voters sending a message that they're open to the idea of more progressive leadership in a county that has been traditionally dominated by Ed Eilert and a very, very traditional brand of Republican politics that has played well for so many decades in Johnson County. This is a different day. He's going against Charlotte O'Hara, very conservative, very hard to imagine Charlotte O'Hara winning this race. She hasn't fared well in other countywide races so far. I think uh, Mike Kelly, a big favorite heading into November here. This sort of reminds me of the Oberlin Park mayor's race from uh, 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 just a while ago because there was a yeah. state establishment candidate who won, had a firebrand outsider, a businessman who was, who was challenging it. Uh, Charlotte O'Hara is not that much of an outsider, but certainly is a firebrand, and we'll, and we'll see. Johnson County voters in November have a black and white choice in this area. There are two very different candidates and, and Johnson approaches. Johnson County, Nick, is changing so much. Exactly. It's just fascinating for those of us who have covered politics for a long time. Johnson County was the most reliably Republican county, urban county, in the state of Kansas. And yet now, Mike Kelly, a progressive mayor, is the favorite for county chair. You had the abortion vote. Johnson County went for Joe Biden in 2020. Sharice Davids ousted Kevin Yoder. I mean, the evidence is just very clear that a transformation of Johnson County from reliably sort of suburban bedroom community Republicanism 
to a more diverse, more progressive approach is opposed. In other election news, Jackson County Executive Frank White was forced to vote from his vehicle this week after testing positive for COVID. It wasn't his only scare. He barely won his Democratic primary contest against political newcomer Stacey Lake. Did Frank White get more than a health warning this week, Mary? I think he did a little bit. I mean, you know, a lot of people just assume, kind of like the Mar Mark Alford, that name recognition, and I do think his past with the Royals is how he was initially elected, but now that's in his rearview mirror. People are looking for more. And the county, the county government is in the eye of voters more than it has been in recent years. There's so much going on with getting the World Cup, with the Chiefs Stadium, with Royals Stadium moving. All of that, the assessors have been around in your neighborhood. So people are thinking about the county in ways that they never did before. Is he in, is he in danger of being ousted in November when he's got a far more better known, better financed opponent in Republican Teresa Galvin already serves on the uh, Jackson County? It, it will be a challenging campaign. I think the uh, primary result was, uh, was Frank White paying the, uh, the assessment penalty uh, for the controversy a couple of years ago, and he is going to face a veteran member of the county legislator, an infighter in the courthouse, and it'll be an interesting campaign. I spoke with Teresa Galvin today for a story we're working on. She says she's going to focus a little bit on the mask mandate, which I think there is still some anger about related to COVID in some parts of the county, not all, but in some parts of the county, and the appraisal mess that Mike just talked about. But we're also working on something uh, Mary talked about, which is the stadiums. The next county executive will be one of the most yes. important players in the future of the Chiefs and Royals. It's a four-year term. Whatever happens to the stadiums, downtown, Truman Sports Company, whatever happens, the next county executive will be in the middle of that discussion, in that critical discussion over the next four years. So voters will really want to pay attention to what both candidates say on this issue, and they need their positions to be pretty transparent before voters go to the polls. But if you're looking for an upset going into November, this might be the could race be you want yeah, to look at. Yeah. Was one of the biggest winners on election night Chris Kobach, even though voters rejected the Kansas abortion amendment? They did push Chris Kobach over the finish line in the quest to become the next Kansas Attorney General. It's a job that will play an important role in how the state's current abortion law is implemented, and it gives him a unique opportunity to place new requirements on the state's abortion clinics in a record turnout election. What were voters telling us in this race on Tuesday, Michael? Uh, that Chris Kobach, again, has high name ID in, uh, in the state of Kansas. He had uh, two very competent opponents, probably one too many mm -hmm. uh, in that race. Uh, either uh, Kelly uh, Warren or Tony Mativi had been head-to-head -head against Kobach. Uh, those two surpassed him in uh, their, their vote totals. But uh, he is back, and he has a formidable uh, Democratic opponent, uh, the uh, prosecutor from, I believe, Saline County. Chris Mann. Chris Mann, thank you. Um, and uh, there are Well, he's a former uh, police officer. He was a former prosecutor in Wyandotte County. But how many people have really heard of Chris Mann? <laughs> I think too many have not for his sake, and that's going to be the problem. Well, let's see what the Kansas Democratic Party has left in its tank here, because if there ever was a race uh, tailor-made for a Democratic pickup, this is the race in Kansas right here, given Chris Kobach's checkered history, all the controversy that has dogged him for so many years. Yes, we haven't heard of him right now. Wait a month or six weeks from now. If we're still saying that, then maybe Chris Mann is done. But I think that's going to change. Kobach got less than half the votes in a closed Republican primary, so that's a challenge for him. And again, Johnson County provides one out of four votes in the state of Kansas. 
and they provided the margin for Laura Kelly against Kobach four years ago in the race for governor. So I think he's got a bit of an uphill challenge, particularly because Chris Mann is a pretty good candidate. But he said that was a bad year for um, uh, Republicans at yeah, that time. Yeah, he loses All righty. Can you also help <laughs> us understand, by the way, another big election choice on Tuesday? Well, Republicans supported Chris Kobach for attorney general. Michael, they overwhelmingly rejected the more conservative candidate in the race to be the state's chief elections officer, Scott Schwab, handily defeating Mike Brown in the secretary of state's race. Why was Kobach successful? and not Mike Brown, even though they both shared very similar policy positions. Well, down-ballot races are kind of weird anyway because people aren't paying too much attention to them. In this case, Mike Brown was uh, trying to make a very difficult and perhaps improbable case that Kansas elections are riddled with fraud. That has not been the case. But, you know, he did, it was, what, 55-45 race. So, I, I, I mean, he did score some points on that. We've pulled back the curtain on some of the key races on both sides of state line, but what was the election trend, Steve Kraske, or race we failed to mention, we overlooked, and we now ignore at our peril? You know, a big development this week, uh, Dennis Pyle, an, uh, a very conservative state senator in Kansas. He's, he's from northeast uh, part of the state. He filed petitions to run as an independent for governor in the state. He clearly isn't happy with his own party. I think, I've mentioned here before, this trend, this candidacy is really being overlooked in this state as Laura Kelly goes up against Derek Schmidt. Virtually every vote that Dennis Pyle gets, and he's going to get some because the Democrats are going to make sure he's well-funded, will come out of Derek Schmidt's back pocket in a race that might uh, a month or two ago have been tilting towards Derek Schmidt. I think today is very much a toss-up because of the candidacy of this state senator named Dennis Pyle. You know, another big trend, of course, was the fake text that took place in the state of Kansas on the abortion amendment, giving people the idea that somehow a woman's right to choose was be the yes vote on that, but we did find out this week that that is totally legal. There's nothing wrong with that in Kansas. Well, yes, and I think we wrote about this. The legislature <laughs> needs to ad uh, address the idea that at least you put a disclaimer on a text like that so you know where it came from. It turns out the money for uh, the group that bought the text funneled through a PAC run by former Representative Tim Hulescamp actually came from Catholic Vote, which is an organization uh, in Wisconsin. Um, but the other thing, Nick, is there will be calls for the legislature to uh, enable the ethics commission or someone to make to judge whether texts like that are true or not. It's very dangerous. Yeah. You, when you get into a situation where a state agency determines what's true or not true, as Mike will attest and my colleagues as well, when you're trying to judge what is and isn't true in a political message, it gets very messy very quickly. So, so for all those all those overtures we're hearing right now from lawmakers saying we're going to change this when we get no. back in Topeka, it's not going to happen. I think that's probably right. And just to point out, great reporting by the Washington. Post to ferret out that Tim's, yeah. Tim Hewell's camp connection to that pact. And, that and let me just, just say very about. quickly, the, the answer, Nick, is what you saw, which is reporters going to work, trying to identify the source, pointing out that it was a lie. I think voters got that message, not a state agency. And it was probably another last-minute galvanization for the uh, no on Amendment 2 folks. They right. really ticked in them fact, off. In fact, it was proof that the yes people knew they were in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Make no mistake, this week's election was the biggest story in town, but that doesn't mean there wasn't a lot of other things happening in Kansas City this week. As we fixated on your ballots, what was the big local story we missed? With so many people concerned about rising prices right now, it's tax-free weekend in Missouri. School supplies, clothing, and personal computers tax-free through this Sunday night. 
Kansas prepping for a new school year with no teachers. A new report says the state is facing a record teacher shortage with 1,400 positions still open. While most of us have been focused on the election, Kansas City inching towards 100 homicides. The city already outpacing last year's murder rate. Meanwhile, Overland Park investigating its fifth homicide. There was only one murder in the city last year. Missouri Senator Josh Hawley back in the national headlines as the Senate votes to add Finland and Sweden to NATO. He is the lone no vote. Hawley claims the debate distracts from what he believes is the country's biggest enemy, China. And will you recognize any of the players when you next head out to the cave? With the World Series run out of the question, the Royals trading some of their best-known stars. Whit Merrifield, the latest. He's heading to the Toronto Blue Jays. He was denied entry to Canada just a few weeks ago for being unvaccinated. Alrighty, Mary Sanchez, did you pick one of those stories or something completely different? I did go with one of your choices, which is the teacher shortage. I mean, that just, it is going to only continue and get worse and worse. And it is just so important. Uh, I mean, is that why we're also hearing that there may be a four-day week now for school districts in the Kansas and Missouri side right now? Some districts have gone to that. I mean, they're going to be trying all sorts of different things. You're seeing um, people without credentials are being asked to teach and that's you know there's some good and bad on that but what, what parents know is that particularly in young elementary levels if your child has one teacher who they don't connect with and they get behind it can really harm them throughout their mm -hmm. academic career that it's this is just such a crucial issue for families michael I'm going to take my few seconds here and uh, pass on this and salute the late Vin Scully, the Los Angeles Dodgers play-by-play -play announcer, who I believe was the greatest baseball announcer the game has ever had. And he once stayed at the Western Crown Center Hotel in Kansas City. That's giving it the local connection. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for bailing me out. Thank you. Let's stay with baseball, Nick. The non-competitive nature of our hometown baseball team is crushing. Friends of mine who have followed this team for years have simply turned away. I've lost interest. There's no reason to go out there right now. And it's a, at a time when the team should be rebounding from a post-World Series kind of slump that everybody expected, the team is only slumping further, Nick. It's hard to watch. Congress finally passed the PACT Act, which provides additional money for veterans who suffered uh, toxic exposures from burn pits. Three senators from our area, Roy Blunt, Josh Hawley, and Roger Marshall, voted for that bill in June, against it in July, and then for it in August. If you want any explanation as to why people hate Washington, exact same bill, that's exactly why, because people can vote on both sides of an issue, and all three of them did. And on that, we will say our week has been reviewed. Thanks to Channel 9's Michael Mahoney and the star's Dave Helling from the Kansas City PBS digital newsroom Flatland, Mary Sanchez, and keeping you up to date weekdays at 9 on KCUR-FM, Steve Kraske. We're heading into our membership drive next week, so who knows, you may be seeing doo-wop, 60s rock, or a brain expert <laughs> instead of my smiling face next week. But we will see you right afterwards. I'm Rick Haynes from all of us here at Kansas City PBS. Be well, keep calm, and carry on.